Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, Ravens flock, I've been teasing it for a couple of days, and we are here. It's the new Believe in Ravens podcast on the Believe Network. I'm Kyrie Thompson, and I am joined today by my new favorite podcast host, or one of my new favorite podcast hosts. I love you too, Taylor Kyles. Daniel Wilcox, former Baltimore Raven. My man, how are you doing? Man, I'm great, Kyrie. I'm 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 awesome, man. I, I'm super happy to be on right now. Excited to get the show back started. Um, welcome, man. Welcome to Believe in the Ravens podcast, and I think people are absolutely going to love you, Kyrie. No, man, I I really appreciate that. You know, I, I dropped a little teaser episode the the other day with uh, you know, like uh, the Zay Flowers interview I did during during pro day just to just to get some mm-hmm. content in there. I kind of explained to people. You know, what am I doing here talking about the Ravens, you know? And I don't know if I really talked. I think I did kind of talk to you about this a little bit the other day because we've been playing phone tag. We've been texting, you know, and, and kind of getting to know each other a little bit, you know, over the last, you know, a week plus. But, you know, so I, I live in Boston. So I I had been a Patriots reporter for the last mm-hmm. couple of years, which, by the way, like being able to watch Lamar Jackson last year when they came up to Gillette Stadium, like I, right. I everybody like I, I that knows me that, you know, around around the league and stuff like that. Like I was just telling them I cannot wait for this because yeah. there's something about being able to watch a great player just be great. I mean, like, for example, like I I've, I, I never got a chance to see Michael Jordan live. You know, I was right. a little bit too young for that. You know, I got to watch him on TV and everything, but I've got a chance to see like LeBron James, right? I've gotten a chance to to see Tom Brady. Being able to see Lamar Jackson just go out there and and like piece up the Patriots, like okay, was right. that was that great in terms of like oh yeah, like I write for the Patriots, like not necessarily, but the football fan in me just absolutely loved it, and really like you know when I'm talking about great Ravens players, the the OG for me uh-huh. is Ed Reed, like yeah, that that was too. my my favorite that, that that's my favorite football player of all time right there it's like him and marshawn lynch are my guys <laughs> man, i think we like football kind of the same way man you yeah well, it sounded like it sounded like to me for a long time you've been with one of the hottest teams in the league and now you're with the newest hottest team in the league with the ravens and the ravens have been hot since 96 since day one they stepped on the on the scene and it's such a great program and a great organization and it start from the top with steve bashadi the owner of the team and um just to be honest with you Kyrie, like it's it's such a fun explosive team to watch yeah. and and you know going back to the Ed Reed days the days I was there and um uh, you yeah. know from I was there from 04 to 09 of course but um Reed man has absolutely you know definitely been one of my favorite players of all time definitely top 5 in my book um he he couldn't do no wrong in my eyes and um I'm I'm glad that you're an Ed Reed fan Oh yeah. I mean, like, okay, my my like, and again, we talked about this a little bit. Is that like, you know, I was like recruited D3. I didn't I didn't end up playing and everything, mm-hmm. but like in in my soul, like I'm a safety. And right. so like even, even when I just be playing football for fun, like I watched so much Ed Reed and the way that he would just very intentionally bait people. And it was all about preparation. Right. right. Like one of my favorite clips of all time is watching Bill Belichick just lose his mind talking about the play where Ed Reed got Peyton Manning because he'd been watching <laughs> Peyton Manning do the pump fake and then go back the other way. And so he sold it intentionally be like, oh, yeah, Peyton, you got me with this pump fake and then just wheels around, didn't even look at him. 
Cause he just knew he just knew where the ball was gonna go. Or like right. even when you see like some of those old clips where like Ed would be like hiding behind people, like trying yeah. to sneak around, like on some yeah. ninja stuff. I was like, oh my god, it's so good. It's so good. So like I, I've like low-key like been a Ravens fan, like probably since like 2008, you know. And, and like yeah. that was so that was when I was in high school. It's like I think the two Actually, at this point, it's like the three players that I, I really took a lot of influence from, like around that time, were like Thomas Jones. I was grew up in Chicago, so it's like Thomas okay. Jones. Okay, my Devin, teammate. Yeah, yeah, Thomas yeah. Jones. Okay, I, I he is so underrated to me, honestly. Yeah. Like just his his vision, the toughness. Like he, he never like had that you know oh my god breakaway speed like the home run stuff. But he's just just a yeah. four or five yard machine. Just just churning it out all he the was. time, and then uh, you know Devin Hester because I was a return man. So I mean, it's yeah, it's got it's got it's got it's got to be like that, you know. And then it was Ed Reed. So like that was that was my foundation, like as a football player. I, I love that you. I love that you played with Thomas Jones, man. Like you know, what? So I'm connected. To I'm connected to all three of those guys. It's such it's such it's such a funny thing that those are your three favorite guys. Like. I just finished doing a, a Amazon original series called Life After, and it's Thomas Jones is the producer. Yeah. He it was his thought concept. He he thought it up. He brought it I up. Love that. You know, they called and asked me would I be a part of the first season of the show, and um, I think I'm episode eight or seven or something like that. And um, it turned out really great, man. You know, TJ is I played with him down in Tampa, and um, he yeah. was of course he was a Jet as well, like I was yeah. as well. So. You know, Thomas is one of the dopest people I've ever um been around and definitely one of the best backs. We had him and Michael Pittman at the same time, the mm, two of the biggest nice. backs with the biggest arms in the entire league. Man, arms was the size of my legs. Crazy. Tom, Thomas Jones was wildly jacked. Like, mm. when, I, when I just think back to that, I'm just like, what were you benching, bro? Like, I don't I even know, right? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Everything. And then Devin Hester. I met Devin Hester at, at Deion Sanders' house down in Prosper, Texas. Um, oh, yeah, because they're boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I was down there for two weeks with with Dion training and stuff when he was when he came out of retirement and came back to play with the Ravens, went to Prosper, and Devin Hester popped up. You know, like he, he's still at the University of Miami, hadn't even got to the league yet, and you know, Prime was mentoring him just like he did so many other guys that played in college football and NFL, man, and um, just awesome guys. And then of course Ed Reed, I played five years with him in Baltimore and got a chance to watch all those highlights. You know, you know, at first hand right there on the sideline, yeah. seeing it live and and really just enjoying the the show. It was like watching the Ed Reed show almost every single week, week in and week out. Yeah. Such a phenomenal player, man. Just great instincts, you know, watched a ton of film and just was a coach on the field. And, you know, he improvised a lot, but he never improvised by himself. You know, he would let the corners know Chris McAllister, Samari Roll, et cetera, et cetera. Like, hey, man, this is what I'm about to do. This play, I, I feel like I feel it coming. If I sit, I'm tell you right away, I'm rolling. I'm, I'm going to do what I got to do. And yeah. the play you're talking about with Belichick, I, I actually watched that interview as well, man. It's such <laughs> a funny interview because he, you know, he's he's paying homage to the GOAT, the greatest of all times back in the safety department. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's one thing that being with the New England Patriots every once in a while, like you'll hear Bill Belichick talk about Ed Reed. And I swear, like th that that's. That's a thing that I feel like people don't always get when it comes to Belichick because they see the media personality and how he's like kind of mm. gruff, terse with the media and all yeah. that. But the dude just he adores football. 
and he adores great football players. And so right. that's why you see him going up to, to, you know, these opponents to be like, I love your game, man. Or just like Ed, I, I swear he love he loves Ed, like one of his own children. Like the way that he talks about it is like his face just lights yeah. up and it's just like, you get a, like a different level of joy out of him. I, okay. So I don't want to, I don't want to blow all the memories and, and all the good stuff. Like we're going to keep building this out over over you know the time we do this podcast but i'm mm-hmm. loving it so far this is excellent let's talk about the here and now baltimore ravens so we are through now three days of training camp down there and i mean i know you're, you're not there i'm not there you know you've been traveling you've been doing your thing but i want to talk about a couple of things that prevailing storylines that are coming out number one mm-hmm. is is lamar jackson and this new offense so from my perspective, and, and I really want to get your perspective on this as a guy who's been in training camps and has probably been in in situations where the team's learning a new offense with a new offensive coordinator, and it's yeah. like there's an adjustment period, right? So it's been Greg Roman that Lamar Jackson's been working with since 2019, since he had that MVP season breaks out. Now you're trying something new with former Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Monken. And everything we're hearing about it suggests that it's going to be different. There's going to be more tempo. Lamar doesn't have the wristband anymore. So he's like calling the plays in the huddle and really enunciating. it. has got to listen to the play call in his ears, enunciate it, make sure everybody's doing what he's got to do. And it really sounds like they're going to be doing stuff that we wanted to see from Lamar for a minute. Let him cook yeah. in the passing game. And, it, it sounds like through the first couple of days it's been it's been ups and downs and you, you read some of the reports it's like eh, you know the, in the red zone they're kind of stalling out from my perspective I'm not mm-hmm. worried about that right now I want to give I, I want to hear you talk about that like the first couple of days of practice when you got a new offense or even just generally how worried would you be if it's like eh, we're not really getting it done in the red zone right now like what's the focus like what's the mentality well Learning a new offense is like learning a new foreign language. So it's like trying to learn Spanish in two weeks or trying to learn French in two weeks. Like it's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. You know, a lot of the plays are the same. A lot of the routes are the same, you know, but the language is totally different. So if I don't understand Spanish and you're speaking to me in Spanish, then it's going to take me a little while to comprehend exactly what you're saying or a little while to learn everything that you're saying. And I need you to slow down, you know, Mm -hmm. so I can actually hear you enunciate those words. So a lot of that stuff um, that you see right now is just growing pains and and just trying to learn and just trying to see it. And you're going to stall out sometimes because you're not hundred percent sure what each play and you're not hundred percent sure what direction that everything's going to go in. And you're used to doing this in the red zone and now you're doing something totally different in the red zone. And I think the good part about coach Munkin is, um, is that he, you know, he's an NFL guy before Georgia, you know, he was mm-hmm. in Cleveland with Odell and I think because he was in Cleveland with Odell, the Ravens are very, very intentional always. I think they thought this thing through very well. He know they knew that they was going out there. Odell Beckham, Munkin used to be his coach in Cleveland, and he did really, really well underneath Munkin. So he, I think it just kind of flowed that they would go grab a guy like him. And then when you come into training camp right now, and you're, I was one of those guys that every year I had a new OC. You know, yeah. like for nine seasons in the league, every year yeah. I got a new OC. It was never the same OC two, three years in a row. So you never got a chance to get comfortable. And you yeah, definitely want to get tough. comfortable as far as learning those plays where you feel like you know it like the back of your hand. And 
uh, with Lamar being the basically the head coach on the field, he needs to be able to learn it just the way Munkin knows it. You know, so over time, you will see him grow and flourish. The best part about having a new offense is nobody can prepare for you until they actually see you and get out there on the field. So um, you, you're talking about great Roman offense, right? And you're saying like, all right, Lamar Jackson was on fire that first year, got league mm -hmm. MVP, you know, should have went to the Super Bowl that year, got the first round by, came out stale and lost and um, got beat up by Tennessee that year. And then the, that um from that point on it was never the same. You you hear Lamar even in interviews saying like man they know our plays year two yeah. they, he's talking about man they know our they calling our plays before we run the ball yeah. before we call yeah you know so you you see those things happening so right now you couldn't be more happier as a veteran player that's been on the Ravens to see them with a new offense you couldn't be more happier to know that you know all right we get a chance to get a fresh start against all these other teams in the league right now. And they're going to have to play us square. They can't cheat anything. They can't jump the routes and stuff because they don't actually yeah. know the routes. They don't know Munkin's patterns and what he's going to do. They're probably going back watching University of Georgia National Championship film right. to try to get a hands up on exactly what they're going to do and who's who and what's what. But it's going to take some adjusting for every single team in the league this year. And I think that's that's what makes it so exciting for the players. And being in training camp is so hard, so freaking hard. It's like being up every morning at 5 o'clock and yeah. trying to go to bed every night at, at 11 or 12. Um, you're getting back to your room probably around 10, 11 at night. And then now you got to try to calm your body and your mind down after learning all this arithmetic on a playbook in these playbooks yep. to be able to try to get enough sleep to get up the next morning at five and do it all over again. And you never catch up on sleep. You, your hours are overlapping. You end up with three or four hours of, you know, a night and your body's exhausted and fatigued. And you're now you're going out to try to learn all this arithmetic and Spanish and French and all this stuff that you're trying to learn. Right. And um, so it's, it's going to be very interesting. I can't wait to see um, what the first preseason game looks like if they even play the players at all. Yeah. And you know what? That you're bringing this all up, just the grind, the mental and physical grind. And then you're going out there and it, and it's the heat of summer. So a lot of these places like, you know, 80, mm -hmm. 90, 100 degrees, and you're going out there. And then finally, when the pads come on, you start hitting each other and you hit each other for like three, four, five days a week. Yeah, and then it's like no wonder, no wonder sometimes people be fighting each other. You get tired of like, oh yeah, of, of going out there and hitting the same damn people every week, and and or every every day, you know, and and dealing with that, it, it's it really is tough because I think about also what you're talking about in terms of the advantage, and there are a couple of points with that that really stick with me, right? So number one, I imagine it takes weeks months sometimes for you to feel comfortable speaking that new language and be like, okay, I, I finally am able to start having kind of deeper conversations down the line about, about football. Okay. Now that I know the baseline verbiage. Okay. Now I know the adjustments that I'm supposed to be making with, with like my routes and stuff like, okay, now I know that it's not just that I run this route. It's okay. When they do that, then I do this. And and so it's not even just about the baseline verbiage and the baseline arithmetic, but then it's like you're graduating from say like algebra to calculus, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and 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 that that part is it really it really trips me out. And when I think about what the Patriots went through 
the last year in particular, right? So it was kind of the same deal. They went from Josh McDaniels to like Matt Patricia slash Joe Judge. So I think they were kind of in a mode of like, oh yeah, we can we can experiment, we can play around with some new things and nobody can prepare for it. The problem was they didn't have people who could teach the offense and it right. showed early. Like, yeah, I mean, you could see some signs in mini camp and OTAs, but you're not overly worried about that. But when the pads came on and they still didn't know who to block, and, mm-hmm. and they could they couldn't run they couldn't run a single running play that made any sense and they were trying to be doing play action they didn't know how to block the run fit in the first place so they couldn't block the play action right and and it was it, it just looked ugly and so there are examples of it's not always a good thing when you change your offense is it like when you don't know how to teach it when it's too simple but right. I feel but I wonder right when when you're talking about Todd Munkin over at at, at Georgia. Right. And then you got Bill O'Brien, who's previously been in the NFL and called offense, went to Alabama. Now teams are like for the Patriots are doing the same thing. They're looking back at Alabama or they're looking back at what Bill O'Brien did in Texas for the first time with the Patriots. The personnel is all different. Right. Right. But you have to scramble to figure out, Okay, great. Now. Now, what are they going to do with these new people? It's all about adaptation. And I feel like the best offensive coordinators are the ones that yeah okay you you might know certain things that we do now um you know because you saw us last year you saw two years ago but you Mm -hmm. keep updating the playbook and updating it with the new personnel or trying new wrinkles and that's how you don't get stale and so we got to see what todd munkin does in year one before we start worrying about year two but absolutely i'm i'm excited for what this looks like for lamar Man, this is going to be a really exciting season because I just, you know, people know Lamar. They know he's dangerous, you know, with his legs. He's dangerous with his arms. Um, his IQ is, I think, is really, really high as well on the football field. And I'm just super excited that he kind of gets this fresh start. You know, it's, you know, it's there's a learning curve. You know, yeah. I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind there's a learning curve. And, and it's like, like I said, it's like learning Spanish. If, so if I'm going into learning Spanish and I'm learning the, the words, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to be, extremely bilingual at first you know i'm just going to learn the words and i'm just going to learn the terminology a little bit i'm learning a couple of quotes a couple of sayings to kind of get me yeah. by right and that's kind of what it is like you're learning this stuff but you have you have to learn it at an accelerated rate rate if you want to play you know and then once you learn those now you got to learn the meaning of all the words that you've learned and now, now you learn the meaning of those words in spanish right now now you got to be able to use them in a sentence, you know, now I can use them in a sentence, you know, after I use them in a sentence, I have to be able to, to understand the different variations of, right. you know, the terms or, or, you know, the pronouns or, and stuff like that when I use them. And then, then once I actually learn the language, it usually takes about really a full year to learn the system, to learn the, the, the language. All right. Now I got to be able to talk slang. You know, because now you're going to put in code words and things are going to mean certain mm-hmm. things. I learned all this. I learned this whole paragraph, this sentence. You know, they could go like, you know, trips right, um, gun, um, Z, Z, um, Z zip, Z zipper. Yeah. And that's just the formation, you know, and it's like yeah. Z zipper. And that's just the formation. All right. That's the formation. Now you got to put in the, you know, the pass protection the, and the actual play. Or you got to put in, you know, the movements and emotions and the shifts and all that type of stuff. You know, it might be snap to 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 trips right. Um, why why off? You know, it's just it's so much yeah. terminology that goes into it. And then you got to be able to go out and and relay that stuff effectively to each other. And then when the defense does something that you don't like, you have to be able to now 
you know, kill, 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 mm -hmm. and then call the next play right there at the line of scrimmage. And yep. everybody has to know what the next trade play is. And those usually those next plays are code words for other plays. You know, right. so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit out here and call a whole play. No, you're gonna be like Zorro, Zorro, or like some yeah. kind of thing like that. Or Georgia, you know, it might yeah. be Georgia. I might say Georgia, 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 you know, or it might be um Bill O'Brien, you know, and yeah, you're like Bill yeah. O'Brien. All right, what is Bill O'Brien? Tennessee, Nebraska. You're just like a one absolutely. word. Absolutely, like, you get it. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times, when it's good. It's good that you said like Tennessee and Nebraska because, like, you might say Tennessee, and that might be the same play that Derrick Henry runs. You know, yeah. so and that's his favorite play, or that's the biggest play he always hits on. So you now you're calling that same play for your team, and then Nebraska might just mean run play. You yeah. know, it might be a run play because Nebraska always used to run the ball, like run, 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 run. You know, yeah. so it might it might be Jet Blue. It might be Jet Blue. That might be a pass play. So it might be like Jet Blue, Jet Blue, thirty nine. You know, and you yeah. know, it's so it's so it's so crazy. Like what you have, what all the things that you have to pick up to know it. And then you, there's so many different variations of offense. Offense, I always say offense is like synchronized swimming and defense <laughs> is like like organized chaos, you know. But yes. offense, like defense, you can make a mistake and still be in the right play, place and make a tackle or or come off the ball too wide, but they run right into the you coming off the ball too wide and you make a play, you're right there and you look like a genius, right? And on offense, if you make one wrong step, everything is off everything is haywire and you can see it instantly. It messes up the entire synchronized swimming, you know, your legs being off, your arms being off, your head not coming out of the water fast enough. It's the same thing with offense. You pop up too quick. Oh, you're off sides, you know? So it's like, you have to be perfect. Everybody has to step the same. Everybody has to move the same and everybody has to do everything at the same time. And it's such a hard side of the ball to be on. You have to be very, very disciplined. And it's a lot of things in your mind from when you, you know, clap and break the huddle and get to the line of scrimmage, you know, and then that 25 seconds before that actual play snaps. And you know what? Like all of that is making me think things like you watch a quarterback, you know, you, you watch a sack happen and, you, and mm -hmm. you're thinking to yourself, like, why didn't the quarterback get the ball out fast enough? Or like, you know, who, like who screwed up? And then like, you'll watch the, the end zone view and you'll see like one, like the center or something like that, like step the wrong way. Or, right. or like, or something like that. And it's like, when you try to slide a protection and somebody doesn't get the memo or they pick right. up the wrong guy, but then it's like, you got to look at the front and be, it, that's the wild thing is like, once I started looking at, at fronts and how yeah. people identify things via the front and that's why you set the mic. So it's like, okay, if I slide to the right, like you gotta be, you gotta be prepared to pick up the, the free guy potentially coming off the edge. Like if there's a corner blitz, like you got to get that guy. Or if that guy's coming from the secondary, you got to get that dude. And then if he yeah. doesn't come, well, you got to readjust your eyes and be like, okay, great. Who do I got? Uh, you know, or like if somebody's dropped, if a defensive line is dropping off into coverage, oh crap, that means somebody's coming from the opposite side. And it's like, there's all these different things you got to be ready. Like, okay, think, 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 think. And it's all happening in a split second. And if a receiver is in the wrong place and the and a pick is thrown, it's like, well, the quarterback sucks. And it's like, well, maybe the receiver wasn't in the right place. Or, you yeah. know, or et cetera. It's like there are so many things that go into a play, which makes me want to ask, right? In those first couple of days, I mean, we I you hear this all the time. People are talking more about minimizing mistakes. How much are people really evaluating? Like I'm talking about coaches, how much are they really right. evaluating like the the actual production that a player is making like oh look at this guy I had a couple of catches today he was looking good or is it right. more about like are they in the right place are they doing the right thing 
what 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 is it from your perspective? Well, it's all those things. Honestly, like I've I've been on both sides of this thing. Actually, all three sides of it now. You know, from a player, from a coach, to and a player to per- personnel department. So, when you're doing this, you're actually evaluating the player on alignment, assignment, and technique. You know, mm-hmm. so you want to see all three of those things, and you want to see them making plays as well. Um, the playmaking part is like a bonus. You know, they're making great plays. It's like gotcha. a bonus, but they have to be lined up the right. They have to run the right assignment and their technique has to be flawless. You're looking for those three things right off rip. And they're doing that every single day. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy. You know, It's not easy for the players because we're cramming, we're studying. You know, even though we get back to our rooms at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock midnight, and we got to get up at five o'clock the next morning, we still study before we go to bed. You know, so you lay down in your bed with the playbook and fall asleep, usually with, you know, with your face in the playbook most nights, you know, wake up with drool on your sheets, you know, the next morning because you're exhausted, you know. So, you know, even though you get home at 11 or 12, you know, you're still up another hour or so trying to study to make sure that you know what's going in the next day. And every day there's a new install, you know, so you're cramming this next 50 plays in for the next morning so that you don't mess them up and some of the stuff. You know, it kind of reminds you of some of the other stuff. So now you're not you're trying your best not to forget the stuff you just ran yesterday yeah. and the day before and the day before that. You know, every week it compiles and be more and more and more stuff because they put the entire playbook in and training camp. You know, the playbook may be two thousand, four thousand plays mm-hmm. and, and you have to learn them all. You know, so when you're as a coach and as a staff member for every organization, you have to sit in there and evaluate every single practice. If it's walkthrough, it's being recorded and you're evaluating yeah. walkthrough. You want to see who's still keeping their technique and their stance and then going through the proper steps and technique and you're not messing up something. Because as a coach, you're trying to save your job as well. So you're watching your players every single day yep. to make sure if they mess up on something, say, hey, I saw you mess up on this yesterday. Let's let's get that corrected. Let's fix it. To me, that's what great coaches do because in the NFL – all the players are already super talented. Everybody's already been weeded out. The scrubs have been weeded out. So everybody wants to be great. Uh-huh. Right. So the coach's job is just to make sure that you know the actual plays. He don't really teach you a lot of technique. He don't really teach you how to play the game anymore. He don't tell you how to run routes or or, or do this move on like this you, guy. You should have known. You should know, you know that. it all. Yeah, you know it all already by the time you got there. And they treat you as such. You know, so now it's my job just to make sure you know this offense. You know, so the coaches put a lot of emphasis and a lot of time on making sure they fixing things if you're messing up stuff. But you're being watched in everything you do, Kyrie. You know, so mm-hmm. you're being watched when you walk to the the lunchroom. You're being watched when you get to work on time. You get you're being watched if you stay late or whether not you leave early. You're being watched if you're getting therapy and treatment when you're supposed to. You're getting watched when you go to the grocery store. If people are calling your coach, say, "Hey, man, I saw one of your players over here at the grocery store. It looked like he was buying a lot of junk food." You know, you're you're everything is being watched. Yeah. Everything is being scrutinized, and they want to know they they're investing in the right type of guys. You know, if you at the nightclub. The night before and it's in training camp that means you snuck out of your room you weren't supposed to be there they want to know all that stuff you know they want to know if you sneak a girl into your room because you can't just wait and be patient enough you know to wait to camp is over and then go see your girlfriend or wait till you get your break you know so everything is being watched they want to know every part about you they want to make sure that they invest in their money into the right person and the right thing and and, you know, it's really hard on the players. You know, it really it really is. It's hard on the players. It's hard on the coaches. It's hard on the staff. It's hard on all the, the training people. It's hard on all the people that are just volunteering to make yeah. sure you get water every day at practice. So it's it's a great thing, man, to be a part of. It's fun. It's stressful. And um, it puts you in the right mind frame so that you can go out and play this sport, you know, at a, at a very high level. That really makes me think of when you're talking about 
making sure that I guess like you're investing in the right type of person, the right type of player. There are some mm-hmm. really talented players in the league that don't make it for, for those reasons. Like they're not doing all the little things that they need to be doing in, in order to learn the playbook they need to be, or, or to, you know, stay out of trouble. Right. And Absolutely. you always hear things like, so-and-so like, like, this is the kind of guy we want on the team. And some fans might look at it and say, yeah, but he's, he's like mid, like he's not that great or whatever, but <laughs> is he going to do, is he going to do the job that you ask him to do consistently? Right. right? See, that, that's, that's the thing, right? You're, you're talking about this, that there are going to be some guys that are a cut above that are just, they're just better than you. It is what it is. Right. Right. But the, but the, for, for everybody else, it's like, you're in the NFL for a reason because you're talented. You're a good athlete. And then it becomes a, a matter of just who does their job better, who executes better, because it's not usually going to be a situation all the time of like, man, that team was just straight up. Like we just can't, we just can't even be on the same football field with them. They're playing a different game. They're just so much better than us. Like, I don't even know what we're even doing out here. A lot right. of it is like, okay, if you, if you just get thrown around or, or like dudes just running past you and it is what it is, then like, I, I feel like you can almost be like, you know what? Okay, whatever, man. Like there's only so much you can do, but when you're getting beat on technique and assignment, cause I feel like that's the margins for error that you're dealing with. Okay. You, you can't make a mental mistake. Don't turn the football over. Right. You, and that's why you can't be putting people on the field that are fumbling all the time. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's like stuff like that. So I, I feel like what you're doing right now is really, I think giving people a look into what really matters on the football field, because in the end, everybody can play. If you're in the right. NFL, every, everyone can play. And it's just a matter of how can you play efficiently? And I, and I want to now jump back into, cause I've been holding on to this mentally for a little while. Okay. Right. I want to talk about these wide receivers. And you're, and when you're talking about guys that, that I think, you know, or, you know, doing their, doing their jobs at a high level, are they the right guys for the team? I feel like in talking to Zay Flowers, you know, back back in the day and just following him around and seeing what he did in the pre-draft process, I just love that pick for the Ravens because he feels like that type of dude to me. He's about it. And and I mean, you've heard right. John Harbaugh kind of talk about it and, and say like he's like he's just really tri- he's, he's impressed me. And it's not even just about like, oh, yeah, his route running and like the technique and stuff like that. Like he's doing the things that he needs to do to keep on improving. He's going hard out there at practice, which, again, I watch this guy, you know, at, at, at Pro Day and on the film. He goes 100 miles an hour all the time. Like I watch this dude running routes on air at his Pro Day. And I asked him, like, kind of what his thought process was. And he, he was just like talking about about like this first thing is attack. And it's like, he looked like he's attacking the air when he runs routes on air. It's like, he's going hard. He's like, I see a defender there. And and he and he's going as hard as he possibly can, like he's playing the game. And and I think like that, that's exactly the kind of player that you want, especially coming in as a rookie, because wide receiver is a really hard position to excel at as a rookie. You know, it's right. like people think like you get a first round receiver and they're going to bust out and be in Jamar Chase. That's That's more the exception rather than the rule, you know, but I love yeah. that pick for the Ravens because I feel <clears> like he fits exactly what the Ravens want from a player. And then again, you talk about Odell, who I feel like is a guy who very often has been misunderstood as a player, 
where I think people think of him as, especially back in the Giants days, being a prima donna, like he didn't put in work. Like he wasn't putting in work to be one of the best players at his position. And you saw little things like there's that clip that went viral training camp the other day where he did the fake back shoulder footwork and, and got Rocky Asin up in the air. And then he goes <clears> past <throat> him and catches the ball. It's like, it's those little things. Like you don't do that unless you study your craft. You know right. what I mean? And so yeah. when you look at the wide receivers, right. And the, as they remake this offense, what do you think of those two in particular? And like, how excited are you? for what they're going to bring to the offense. Oh man. So excited. You know, um, first of all, you got the name, right? You got Odell Beckham Jr. The name, and you got the, the respect that comes along with having that name, you know, like you don't, you don't go play against Chicago bulls and Michael Jordan and not be like, Oh crap, they got Jordan, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you have an Odell that he's like, he's like that type of player, like what people yeah. going to respect and like, Oh crap, we got to go against Odell this week. I got to be on my P's and Q's and, you know, for the last, you know, since Lamar got in the league, we haven't had that receiver, you know, yeah. that makes people be like, Oh crap. You know, I guess like go we've been, been trying to get that yeah. in the draft and stuff, but it hasn't panned out. Right. Like it's like Shaq, you hear Shaq talk about LeBron's like nobody fears LeBron, you know, but I was scared to play Jordan, you know, and Shaq don't even have to cover a point guard, you know? So it's like having an Odell Beckham jr. That's how the defense, I don't have to cover him, but but y'all got Odell this week. Y'all about to be ready to go. Yeah. And that new kid, Zay Flowers, you know, he's different. He's special, you know. And now we got we got somebody that could blow the top off of it. And then we got somebody that could chop you down with routes. And then, you know, you still got Bateman and a bunch of other guys yeah. that was already there. You know, Duvernay was – I was a huge Duvernay fan for Me the last too. three years. You know, I just – I can't wait to kind of – see how exciting this is really going to be and we actually went to boston and stole a guy from the patriots with aguilar you know so yep. you know i i'm excited man I, I think we have um i think we have the most talented group receivers that we've ever had you know in baltimore you know for and even back way yeah. back when i played you know we was we still had great receivers you know with Derek mason and mark clayton and all those guys Derek Demetrius mason Williams. yo that yeah. that was that was a low-key og right there yeah it wasn't even low-key he was straight up og like you know he was just a little guy with like a steve smith type you know and you know we've had steve smith you know it's it's, it's such a this is gonna be a fun year man to just kind of see how things unveil and you know, you pray you knock on wood. There's not, there's no injuries, and you know, you pray these guys stay healthy, and you know, you get a chance to actually watch these guys for a full season develop with one another. And it's going to be scary for teams to have be. to prepare for uh, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Rashad Bateman, uh, Zay Flowers, uh, Devin Duvernay, uh, Nelson Aguilar, and you know, Tylen Wallace. About, and we ain't even talking yeah, about look. Mark Andrews and and Isaiah Likely. Yeah, boy, you talking about two of the best tight ends. We were two of the, the you talking about two tight ends is probably one of the best tandems mm -hmm. in tight ends in NFL football today. And you got to see both of those guys. And it's, you know, I kind of hate it for the OC because you know now Monkey has to try to figure out who who he's going to yeah. play, like yeah. what package I'm going to put in. You got to find a way to make all these guys happy. You know, when you got this type of talent, man. And the Ravens have done a phenomenal job this offseason. I remember everybody was scratching their heads trying to figure out. You know what was going on in in the mind and the head, you know, of Eric DaCosta. And now you come back and you look at this stacked roster and you're like, man, we we did it this offseason. It's crazy. Yeah, and and that's even just on the offensive side of the football. Mm -hmm. And then you've got so again, I'm a, a Chicago Chicago win. I mm -hmm. watch the Bears <clears throat> religiously still. You know, in addition okay. to watching all the other teams, I watch. You got Roquan, and and I thought like it and look. The Bears, were in, 
the the Bears were in sell off mode last year. They trade Roquan to the to the Ravens. I immediately was like, oh yeah, I love that for them. And they they and they go ahead and they they sign Roquan. They lock him up. You still got Pat Queen, you know, for for this year. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, everything you heard about Marcus Williams and what he's been doing down there at camp, just locking right. it up like like that secondary, especially if you're talking about Kyle Hamilton coming into year two. And I remember, and I, I know there are different types of players, but just bear with me here. Eddie Jackson for the Chicago Bears in in year one, he had some near plays or you know plays where it's like okay, uh, like like you know you're you're look you're looking good, you're just a little bit off, right? Mm. It, it's like one one more step and you got that pick or you got that pass deflection or that the angle is just right. And then in year two, he figured out how to get that extra step, get there, be around the football. And right. I'm thinking about Kyle Hamilton in a similar way. If you're if he's coming into year two and he's like, okay, I know where I'm supposed to be now. And it's like, okay, I I I know how to get from here to there. Just that one step quick, you know, quicker it needs to, you know, make the play. And if you mm-hmm. got Marcus Williams helping him figure that out, then you got two safeties that are wild. And then you've got, you know, you you, you still got Marlin. And and you and you still have and and you've been hearing good things about Jalen Armour Davis, who was somebody I was interested in last year coming out out of Alabama and seeing you know, seeing and hearing him making some more plays that defense could be nice it's really Gary. feeling like it's shaping up like this could be a very complete roster I agree with you 100 percent and to me the racer the um the Ravens roster has always been pretty you know pretty stacked like you you know you play against the Ravens the Ravens you're gonna get guys that's gonna fly around they're gonna hit you in the mouth they're gonna be aggressive they're gonna be physical and the whole team is going to play fast with that one gear, which is always fifth gear if you're in a sports car or, uh-huh. you know, just it's, it's going to be high end energy the entire game. We're going to come at you from every single angle on defense and we're going to attack you like crazy. And, you know, this this is like, you know, these last four years or five years with Lamar has been the first time where I feel like you felt like all right, the offense kind of matches the defense. You know, yeah. like they're aggressive on offense, too. So now when you start talking about the defensive side of the ball, you know, bringing in Roquan Smith, already having a Patrick Queen, you know, that start it starts to make you feel like, all right, this is what the Ravens have always been about on defense. They linebacker core has been yes. the sickest linebacker core in the league for years and for a long time. And it was because you had one staple, you know, your Ray Lewis, you know, and because he played so long, you had 20 years of nonstop great linebacker play. And, you know, he bring you bring guys in and they compliment them well and he plays well with them and he teaches them up and, you know, have them, you know, playing at a high level because he took so much time to study the offenses that he played against. And now you got, you know, <clears throat> you got two guys that can flat out fly with Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith in the middle of the defense. And then you got some guys on the edge that's going to make you bite your nails, you know, when you watch them play because, you know, at some point it's coming. David Ajabo is like, yeah. I mean, when they when they got him, and, and I know he's coming off the injury, but I was like, oh hell no, y'all stealing, y'all over here stealing. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you get that guy and then yeah, and then reap the benefits when he's healthy? Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be slick, man. It's gonna be fun watching. I mean, you just you look at the depth chart and you look at the outside linebackers and the D and the D linemen, and you're like, oh wow. We got some dudes, you know, and then, yes. and, you know, everybody can't be Michael Jordan. Everybody else got role no. plays, you know, they got role players, but you're going to, you can't wait to see who's going to emerge as that Jordan type, that LeBron James type player. 
and just be like just take over the entire league this year. It's going to happen. Somebody on this defense is going to emerge as that guy, and you're going to be like, holy crap, yes. he's he's good. You know, yeah. so I can't wait to see what's what's going to happen this year. It's going to be a great season to kind of watch. This is year two of the the new defense that you know that coach brought in with him, and yep. I think this is going to be a offer. Uh, I mean, an awesome opportunity for guys to really kind of separate themselves from you know who you you're going to find out who's the head read type safety this year. You know, I think Marcus Williams will be that guy because yeah. he they brought him in to be a ball hawk and he yeah. got hurt last year, of course, but he came back and still played phenomenal. And I'm looking forward to great things out of this defense. Yeah, me too. And you know what? I, I think I agree with you. I feel like he's probably more of the roamer in, mm-hmm. in terms of that. And and Kyle is, I mean, he's, he's big, fast. He could do a little bit of everything. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the interesting thing, right? It's like safeties are becoming more interchangeable. So you got to be able to do a lot of different things, but it's like in theory, like from a development standpoint, like Kyle is like that, that chess piece kind of guy. And when I look at Kyle Duggar, for example, on the new England Patriots, who's a guy who is morphing into that now where he, he, he can just destroy you coming downhill in the box, but he's starting to get better in coverage and get better running away from the line of scrimmage because it didn't used to be that way it's like if he was coming toward the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. dangerous if he was going away from the line of scrimmage not so much but i think like when when you've got chess pieces that you can move around because in the end it's, it's all about matchups right and if you have right. a matchup that the other team can't match right or if they've got conversely something that you can't match that's mm-hmm. what keeps you up at night how do you do that but when you right. got basically like like you know in, in terms of a chess pieces the queen that can move everywhere right and and neutralize anything that that's what's up real quick before before we hop off okay because i i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling real real good about this i feel like we've done we we, we hit all the points but i want to talk about something real quick okay right? i know this doesn't really matter that much because it's popularity contest surveys etc cetera, etc cetera, okay but how is it that NFL players voting on the top 100 NFL list can have Lamar Jackson at like number 71. How 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 could that be possible? Well, it's very possible when your offense is is very well known, right? Everybody's comfortable with your offense and they don't fear you as much because they know exactly what you're going to do. You know, you know you got to contain them, you know you got to stop them. All your running backs are hurt, all your receivers are hurt, you know, all your, all your half your old lineman is hurt and then everybody's playing out of position, so it's like every guy to, he, he you know people have had a free for all for you know for Lamar Jack Lamar Jackson the last two yeah. years the last two seasons and he hasn't been able to be the Lamar Jackson that we grew to love you know and so by having a new offense it's gonna make you respect him more you know because now you don't know every single thing that he's gonna do every single time if it's like um you know watching the Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington and he said mm-hmm. I got I got three plays it works like Novocaine you know that type of thing yeah, we've had time it always works you could do that in high school though right so in the NFL Lamar's had six plays okay let's say he had six <laughs> or eight plays they studied those six or eight plays and that's all they ran for the last four years and <clears throat> so people had like a leg up but now we're about to shake some things up so he'll he'll jump drastically this year if you know if god willing and you know he stays healthy all season long he would definitely definitely drop all the way all the way to the forefront down in that first five or that first 10 spot to me to me daniel wilcox lamar jackson is top three quarterbacks in the league right now oh you know he, he would definitely make you respect his game by the end of this season for sure 
I think, yeah, it's like, it's like for me, it's like Lamar, it, again, he's like top five player in, you know, in like in terms of my favorites in yeah. the league. And I feel like, and, and th- this is where I, I find it really interesting. What it, What's going to end up happening with quarterbacks like Lamar or like Justin Fields, like Jalen Hurts, guy who popped off last year with a really good supporting cast around him. It's a good and, word, popped off. I like that. Yeah. Good word, good word Kyrie. Appreciate you. But I think I think that the league is starting to I mean, offensive coordinators starting to figure out how to harness these talents with that that are, that are dynamic. They don't just got to sit in the pocket and and deliver the ball. And and it's interesting, like everybody wants say they want that kind of guy like oh, I just want somebody who sits in the pack in the pocket and just like, you know, dinks and dunks or just like tears you up from there. But so often, I feel like you hear defensive players be like, oh, my God, I don't want the guy who can leave the pocket. I don't want that quarterback that can run. Like, you know, you don't want to have to have to prepare for that, too. And I think what I'm going to be real interested in this year is, I mean, Lamar could always pass. Like, I feel like right. people people got this idea that, like, oh, yeah, well, he, if, he, if he comes off this year, I didn't know Lamar could throw like that. And I was like, well, you haven't been watching, okay? Because he always could, but it's going to be a volume thing. I personally right. – would love to see him get a chance to sling it around, go empty, pick teams apart, and then all of a sudden have people say, what What you got to say now? Okay, right. What do you got to say about my game now? Because I went ahead and I pieced up the whole league with my arm. Right. Uh, it's one of those things <clears throat> when you're really good that people love to hate you, and they got to try to find a way to hate you. You know, and it's like, yeah, but he can't throw. Like, what? What did you did you not watch his Heisman year? Did you not watch what he did at Louisville? Did you not watch what he did in the NFL? He's, you know, he's one of the few quarterbacks with perfect games, you know, as far as passing a ball. And it's like he and he's throwing pinpoint accurate passes. You know, everybody can have an off day where they don't throw everything on the money, you know. But uh, you know, for the most part, he's putting it on the money. I mean, he got the his tight end leads the league every single year in receptions and catches and touchdowns, and it's for a reason, you know, because he 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 putting the ball on the actual money, but it's like when when Jordan was the best player in the league, they would say, man, he couldn't shoot three-pointers. Then he have a game where he kind of hit you with one of these, right? And then he's like, okay, maybe he can shoot yeah. three-pointers. So it's like, it's, it's going to be one of those those years for Lamar. I think he's going to he's gonna shock people again. Uh-huh. Why he needs to shock them again, I don't know, but he's going to shock people like, oh, oh, maybe he can throw the ball. Okay. Lamar going to be like... <laughs> I mean, I mean that that's that's the thing, right? Like, how many times yeah. you got to prove people wrong? But sometimes people thrive off of that, and Lamar feels mm-hmm. like the kind of guy who will sit up there and do that stuff, and, and just like he did that one time, not bad for a running back, huh? Like, come on, Absolutely. it's like they they might take the high road some sometimes, be like, oh, but you better believe they're keeping it in their mind. I would, oh, right. you better believe I would if they were talking that mess about me. I'd be like, all right, fine, and then then I go out and drop a huge game on you, and I'd be like. That is like a perfect way to end this. Like, like, yo, mess around, find out, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be looking forward to seeing what happens with this team in the coming days and weeks. First preseason game I just checked is going to be on Saturday, August 12th. So we got a little while there, but but you know, there's going to be plenty of training camp stuff to keep in mind. And we are going to be back talking about it next week as well. You better believe it. This has been Believe in Ravens. I'm Kyrie Thompson. That's Daniel Wilcox. Man, it was so fun doing this with you for the first time. Man, I'm excited, man, about the rest of the season. I can't wait to see how this thing is going to turn out. Kyrie, um, I'm super happy to have you aboard, man. And I think this is going to be a great season for the Believe in the Ravens podcast. Let's go. I think so, too. Let's get it. We'll see you all next time. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.